Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Heather. And I'm Kelsey. And today's episode is about the fictional historic historical novel, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which has been a huge best-selling book. I feel like everyone has read this book. <laughs> yeah, this book is everywhere. And yeah. as usual... I am late, and I just read it for the first time a couple days ago. So yes. here we are. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so before we get into the book, we'll talk about what keeps us going, as per usual, which is caffeine, coffee. And my coffee was supposed to be iced, but it's hot, so I'm sweating, but everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. It's a real, it's a real mood killer. <laughs> everything's fine. It was supposed to be my Starbucks white mocha decaf iced but it was hot and the barista was having a rough day and i'm like it's fine i'm just gonna drink it i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> but i'm sweating and everything is okay at least it's kind of like crappy outside today at least it's I not know. like 95 degrees yeah i know that's that'll be worse but i need a fan in this room so i don't sweat all the time but well, what about I, you? i'm drinking uh boring blueberry tea but i have to tell you about my new starbucks obsession Ooh. So I've been getting, well, I always get the blonde latte because I guess the blonde espresso, apparently it has more caffeine. I think I've I heard read that, that somewhere, but it doesn't taste as bitter. Mm -hmm. So I always get that as a latte. And then I've been getting two pumps of sugar-free vanilla and two pumps of toffee nut. Oof. That toffee nut is so good. My mom loves the toffee nut. It's delicious. Like I'm, I was ready to give up my brown sugar cinnamon for this toffee nut. So did you see that Duncan has toffee nut now? No, I did not. It, but of course they do. It no, it just like literally started like just like today or yesterday. They have oh new my drinks. Goodness, yeah, they have a toffee nut one, and they also have a coconut macaroon iced coffee. Duncan Which again, no you chill. have to go under the member exclusives. I'm a Duncan like every other day, so it's the only reason why I know these yeah. things. But they also have like this new chorizo and egg wrap too. Like they're just okay. Duncan's been chorizo wild now. From Duncan, that sounds. We have the breakfast tacos now. They have this, and I'm just like, okay, you do you. Which, by the way, I did get the blueberry cobbler the other day. Oh, did you like it? I loved it. I mm -hmm. don't think I love it more than regular butter pecan. No, but I did love it. But it's nice it to have it. Yeah, it's I actually had that this morning. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah because i realized i was at a coffee creamer at work and i was like oops i guess i gotta get coffee see <laughs> and eric's like oh yeah you forgot you had coffee creamer i was like i actually did because we went away and yeah. i forgot <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah so but cheers enjoy your blueberry cheers. tea which also sounds delicious i wish i liked tea i don't drink it enough to like it I just don't want everyone to hear me clearing my throat 150 times on this damn podcast. So <laughs> now I drink tea. That's fine. Whatever you, whatever, whatever you feel works best for you. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Okay. <laughs> so Taylor Jenkins Reid is a out of nowhere, I feel popular author now. Mm -hmm. Everyone loves her. All her books are popular. All her books are being turned into the TV series, movies. She had Daisy and the Jones and the Six, which just came out with a series on Amazon. And then also her book, One True Love, 
was also a movie, I think, on Amazon. I can't remember what streaming service that one was on. And I believe they're doing they're doing a movie, I think, of Evelyn Hugo. And I think Malibu Rising, they're either doing a series or a movie. I can't remember which mm-hmm. it was. But basically all her work just immediately, it just gets bought up by studios. <laughs> yeah, she gives, like, Colleen Hoover vibes. Like, yeah. just up out of nowhere... And you either, like, really, really love her or think she's overrated. Yes. Yes. But now she's... And I've talked about this on our bonus episode. She's definitely top... She's definitely jumped, like, the top of, like, my author list. I will definitely mm-hmm. buy whatever she writes. So, as of right now, she's written eight novels and one short story. And basically all her books, like I said, are pretty much wildly popular. Her, like, first two ones, Forever Interrupted... And After I Do are probably the least popular, but they're still really well-received, and they always get really good reviews. Mm -hmm. She has won three Goodreads (laughs) Choice Awards, all for her historical fiction books, which is interesting that all her books are, like, considered... Because we were talking about this before. We don't really know what her genre is, and people Mm -hmm. just say it's, like, historical fiction. So she won an award for Daisy Jones and the Six... Malibu Rising, and Carrie Soto is back. So she basically got an award back to back to back each year that she put the book out. Yeah. (laughs) And then she actually has said that she's going to take a break, an extended break, before she begins her next literary project. She's probably burnt out from just doing all these crazy books. (laughs) But I like it because her books are so female character driven. Yeah. Like, the lead is always a strong female character, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. And, she and they're it. character-driven in general, like, just mm-hmm. so much relationships, character it's, development. She does, it's, her her character writing is phenomenal, I think. I think she does mm-hmm. a really good job. Because sometimes it's like, I don't know, it could be boring or a little bit too much, but I feel like she does a really good job with it. Yeah. Even Malibu Rising, which... If you listen to our bonus episode, you know that I hated it. But I liked the only part I liked about it was how developed the characters were. I just didn't like that there was basically no storyline, but still like her writing of the characters and explaining them and, you know, their relationships and stuff like that was kind of the redeeming part of it. Mm -hmm. So when the idea for Seven Husbands first came to her, She approached her editor, who had discouraged the idea, saying that books about actresses don't do great. So unless it's really calling to you, I would advise you to do the other book. (laughs) Which at the time was One True Loves. So she obviously wrote that, and that was a success. But then after she finished the book, she couldn't get the concept of Evelyn Hugo out of her head. Mm -hmm. So she had said she remembers thinking, if it's not going to do well, then fine. But this is a book that is calling to me. It's growing in my mind, and my relationship to it is becoming deeper and deeper. I'm seeing it more clearly. It's what I want to do next. And she was nervous that when she sent the pitch off for it, that her editors were basically going to be like, no, still don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they ended up saying, no, like, this this could work. So mm-hmm. this is the first book that she wrote that really centered around a strong female character, which now seems to like be her niche. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you had said, because I didn't realize that one of the characters from Carrie Soto is from What in Malibu Rising. Mm-hmm. So she basically takes, they're all like, are all interwoven with each other, 
all the books, yeah. like they're kind of within the same, the same story realm, just different time frames. Yeah, because it's like the same time period. Because like even uh, Mick Riva from this book mm-hmm. is also in Malibu Rising, and he's a main character in that. So when I saw his his name, I was like, oh, that's a a cool thing that she does, but not in a way like where you have to read the other books. You know what I no, mean? No, you can read them separately. But yeah, I, I didn't realize that Carrie Soda was also part of that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's become super, super popular with all these books. And this is our first review of one of her books. But I know that you love Daisy Jones. That mm-hmm. was one of my favorite books by her. And the series was great. So I'm looking forward to the film adaptation of this book. Because if anything, she'll yeah. probably be part of the production like she was for Daisy Jones. And mm-hmm. I think if she is, it's going to be good. I'm curious because I think when we talked about it, like when the news came out, we were talking about if it would be better as a TV series or a movie. Mm-hmm. So I am curious how they're going to do it. Because once I read it, I was like, oh, there's not really enough to do like a different episode about each mm-hmm. husband because not every husband had that big of a role you know but what i mean even could do like a limited series even if it's like four episodes yeah you know how like do they'll do like limited series instead of like a full because i think daisy well i think daisy jones was about 10 episodes I think. yeah that was a long one but they have other yeah. ones that are like four episodes mm-hmm. yeah we'll see how it goes eventually we'll talk about it when it's they eventually i don't even think they've casted for it yet it's like still very much in like early production yeah yeah <laughs> All right, so the book, as usual, here is my description from Ding 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 Goodreads. <laughs> of course, <laughs> where else would I go? So, aging and reclusive Hollywood movie icon Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. But when she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant for the job, no one is more astounded than Monique herself. Why her? Why now? Monique is not exactly on top of the world. Her husband has left her, and her professional life is going nowhere. Regardless of why Evelyn has selected her to write her biography, Monique is determined to use this opportunity to jumpstart her career. Summoned to Evelyn's luxurious apartment, Monique listens in fascination as the actress tells her story. From making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s, to her decision to leave show business in the 80s, and of course, the seven husbands along the way, Evelyn unspools a tale of ruthless ambition, unexpected friendship, and a great forbidden love. Monique begins to feel a very real connection to the legendary star, but as Evelyn's story nears its conclusion, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in tragic and irreversible ways. (laughs) That's funny because from that description... You really would think that Monique's story is more prevalent than it actually is. Like, she's it's like her, yeah, a little bit. bit. Uh, Yeah, her her story in this book is just it's not a lot at all. It's basically about Evelyn and her husband. That's the entire Mm -hmm. story. (laughs) I'm like the parts with Monique are meaningful and have Mm -hmm. like relevance to Evelyn. But that just makes it sound like it's all, you know, like it's all Monique's story. (laughs) And she's just like, not that important. I mean, no. Well, we'll get to it. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we're actually going to do it a little differently this time around. So I'm going to do a recap of The Seven Husbands. 
And then we're going to kind of do like discussion questions because this book was, it's a good book to do like discussion questions about. Cause there's, I, I like it. Yeah. It's not like our usual thrillers where we have to say every single thing that happens. <laughs> All the twists. Every and twist turns. and turn. Yeah. <laughs> this one was pretty straightforward. <laughs> So the novel is broken down into Evelyn's seven relationships, as well as the one true love of her life, which was my favorite part, by the way, when that, when that happened, I was like, I was like, oh my God, I love this so much. I didn't see this coming at all. <laughs> I didn't see it coming so early. Yeah. Like it, like she revealed it so early and I then know. it's just like the entire story. Mm-hmm. So her first husband is Eddie Diaz. So Evelyn grows up in a poor Cuban family in Hell's Kitchen. Her mother dies when Evelyn is young, leaving her alone with her abusive father, which, gross. Mm -hmm. Sharing her mother's dream of becoming an actress, Evelyn uses her sex appeal to seduce and eventually marry Ernie Diaz, a neighbor boy who's heading to Hollywood. Now, Evelyn did not love Ernie, (laughs) because she was 15 years old. (laughs) And she she lied about her age. (laughs) Yeah. She only married him because she was tired of her abusive father, which I get that, and wanted to fulfill the dreams her mother had instilled in her of going to Hollywood and becoming a movie star. Mm-hmm. She know she knew that in order to get Ernie to to take her to Hollywood, she had to become his wife. And she also which again, this is gross at the age of 15, but she knew how men reacted to her body already at such a young age. And mm-hmm. so she, because she looked older, she got Eddie to believe that she was 18. Mm-hmm. Which, that's a jump. That's three years. Yeah. That's but a like, jump. <laughs> but she does say at one point, like, Ernie knew. Mm-hmm. She she thinks that Ernie knew when they had to sign, because her dad had to sign for her yeah. to be able to marry Ernie. Uh-huh. So she does say, like... He definitely knew and he just looked the other way because he was like, I'm never going to get someone as beautiful exactly. as Evelyn. So exactly. he just like let it go. So once they move to Hollywood, Evelyn quickly succeeds in connecting with Hollywood producers, including Harry Cameron, who at Sunset Studios, who basically becomes her lifelong best friend. And their relationship is one of my favorite throughout the book as well. Mm hmm. She sleeps with a much older producer to get her first role. So she's definitely using her sex appeal a lot initially, mm-hmm. in the initial beginnings of, of her Hollywood life. And for some time, she's relegated to smaller parts because as a Cuban woman, she does not fit the Hollywood mold of blonde leading ladies. Mm-hmm. So to start starring in films, she dyes her hair blonde, loses her New York accent, stops speaking Spanish, and tells a false story about her past to the press. So she completely changes her image. Like, total. Mm-hmm. She's a new person. And the Hollywood execs basically tell her, you have to be photographed around town with some of these popular men so that you can mm-hmm. be more popular. And she's like, oh, okay, no problem. And she literally that day divorces Ernie. She's like, eh, well, that's right. what she said. Yeah, Thanks, exactly buddy. That's exactly what I have next is that when Sunset advised her to start publicly dating other actors, she divorces Ernie. And after she divorces Ernie, she gets her her first leading role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So As easy as that. Yeah. I have, um, <laughs> there was a quote that she says like towards the beginning, because like this whole thing is she's telling Monique all of 
these details, yeah. mm-hmm. like how it actually happened, not how, what the press knew. Yeah. So there's a quote that Evelyn says, the world doesn't give things, you take things. If you learn one thing from me, it should probably be that. And after she says that, Monique is like, Ooh, what? <laughs> like, she's like, oh, that's uncomfortable. But like, that is how Evelyn gets everything that she wants. No, it's exactly because she obviously comes from a a Cuban family in Hell's Kitchen. And she, at the age of 15, she's smart enough to get herself to Hollywood, which is Mm -hmm. amazing in itself. So she's Mm -hmm. already, you can already tell from the first husband what a strong female like Evelyn is. And she has a lot of just how she plays, how she knows exactly how to get what she wants, which is most of all through her sexuality, but Mm -hmm. how she doesn't let on to anyone that she knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she like plays cat and mouse very well. So her second husband is Don Adler. So after dating a few Hollywood actors for the press coverage, she falls for Don Adler, a fellow up and coming actor. They marry but after a brief honeymoon period, he begins to, you guess it, physically abuse her. Because isn't that always how it is? It's great. Everything's great. And then as soon as you get married, they start beating you. Mm-hmm. And she f- thought she finally found real love. Mm-hmm. And he was ex- accepting her for who she was. And that they were going to rise to fame together. Mm-hmm. And then... All it comes down to is his fragile masculinity because God forbid that she could be an ounce more popular than him Mm -hmm. or he wouldn't live up to his name because he had, you know, his rich family. He had to start taking it out on her. Yeah. And she's still in love with him and she can't imagine leaving him. So she hides the abuse and continues Mm -hmm. to gain her success in Hollywood. So his career starts going downhill and hers is going in the opposite direction and she's rising And so, like you said, he took it out on her. He's Mm -hmm. like, I'm supposed to be the one that's more successful. A woman should never be more successful than me, Mm -hmm. basically. So he becomes controlling, demanding, even going as far as ordering Evelyn to stop filming movies because it was time for her to be a mother. Mm -hmm. And she was like (laughs) 20, I think. Yeah, right. Or 19 when he was doing She was still very young, yeah. Yeah. So basically when she refused, he would hit her. And then the tabloid soon came up with a story that Evelyn did not want to have children. Mm-hmm. So that makes her look, which again, obviously in those, the time frame of this, where the story takes place, that's probably blasphemous. Oh, absolutely. You should want to be a mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas now you should times want it's to fine. have... Yeah, especially like Don Adler, of course, you should want to have his children. Of course, you should want to pass along that bloodline. So Evelyn, being the smart little cookie that she is, she comes up with a plan to fake a miscarriage and make her maid Paula angry enough to blab it to the tabloids. (laughs) So she is ruthless. (laughs) Absolutely ruthless. (laughs) She just doesn't care. She just wants to keep her image good. Well, not good, but you know what I mean. She wants to stay relevant and she wants people to like her and not dislike her because she doesn't want children. So she's mm-hmm. like, well, she's do? just always 
10 steps ahead. She's like, if I have to play this pity card, I'm going to play this pity card as horrible as that lie is. And as horrible, because then it turns into that she had multiple miscarriages and they were trying. Mm -hmm. And every time she got pregnant, she lost the baby. Like that is quite a tale to be spinning. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Evelyn will do anything. She will. To be famous. She will. So the, so the studio starts filming Little Women with Evelyn in the lead role of Joe, And when she starts filming that, she meets an actress, Celia St. James. So originally, Evelyn is jealous of Celia's keen acting ability. And then she's just basically as envious of her. But then they become like fast friends. And after Celia wins an Oscar... Their jealous co-star tells Evelyn that Celia is a lesbian and that Don is cheating on Evelyn. So just bomb drops. Yeah. <laughs> just and in a closet, in like a laundry closet. I know. <laughs> this is like a revelation for for Evelyn and then when she sits with what she's told, she realizes that she cares about Celia more than Don and they share a kiss and Evelyn leaves Don. Yes. But on Don's terms, of course. I was just going to say, because Don, of course, has to beat her to the punch because he's the man and he can't be mm-hmm. seen as he's the one being left. He he needs to do the leaving. So he mm-hmm. files for divorce, but that's not enough for him. He also has the studio blacklist Evelyn because, again, he is just super jealous of her and her success and he wants that for himself and he doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. So if he now can't have her, too, on top of everything, he's going to make sure that she gets the, the short stick in the situation. Yeah. And it's such it shows you how much of a cutthroat business it is that they are so willing to make him happy that they'll completely get rid of her mm-hmm. because ultimately they think that over time he'll be able to pull in more money for the studio. It's unbelievable. So her first marriage was to... <laughs> this sweet Mexican boy man who just, you know, is just whatever going to Hollywood. And then her second husband is an abusive asshole. Mm-hmm. So she's just, who's she's, you cheating know. on her and yeah. hitting her. And yep. So, so basically her career flounders, but then her romantic relationship with Cecilia begins. So when I found out like her and Celia were going to be together, I was shooketh to the core and loved it. Mm hmm. Yeah, because Monique asks her, out of all these husbands, who was your great love? Mm-hmm. And at first, Evelyn's like, you'll find out. I'm telling you yeah. the story. Let me exactly. let me tell you in my own time. Uh-huh. And then once you find out that her one great love, love was Celia, Celia, you're like, and wait, what? I know. And it's and of course, like you. So you read the title of the book. It's about the seven husbands. And so you see that she's in love with Celia. She's like, all right, well, she's already been married twice. Like, where do, the, where do the other husbands come in? And then obviously, like, you find out as you go. And also, like, her relationship with with, uh, with Celia is so – there's just – it's a lot. It's good. Yeah, it's bad. It's tumultuous. It's, 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 yeah, tumultuous. It's, it's just – it's not an easy ride at all. And mm-hmm. so it's really – I like seeing how she's able to bring it together, pull it apart, bring it together, pull it apart. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it was really i liked it a lot her third husband is the character you mentioned mick riva evelyn's marriage to him is a quickie it's kind of like an in and out <laughs> a nice vegas quickie yeah so she went to one of his shows with celia and harry 
And while they were there, she reached for Celia's hand and she noticed that a couple seated behind her had seen her and she withdrew her hand too late. So the damage had been done. Before her act of affection could spread too far, she stood and cheered as loud as she could for Mick, who had once said in a newspaper that he wanted to marry Evelyn. Because everyone wants to marry Evelyn. This is like a revelation of every husband she has. I want to marry you. (laughs) (laughs) None of these people understand that they could just be in a relationship. Yeah, I know. Like, they don't have to get married. I know. Isn't there a limit? (laughs) When the show is over, she has a discussion with Cecilia about a more permanent fix and said she would elope with Mick to Las Vegas. And at first, because obviously Celia wants to be with Evelyn, she protests and Evelyn reassures her that the marriage would be annulled the next day. It's just kind of a way to make it to not out them quite yet. To have the press talking about something else. Yeah. And not mm-hmm. suspecting them. Once exactly. again, Evelyn is 30 steps ahead on this one. A hundred percent. So she seduces, marries, and divorces Mick to create a distracting scandal in the press. She teases him with the promise of sex all night, if only they would get married, as she believes she could not have sex outside of marriage, which was a lie, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So Mick's like, well, if I want to have sex with Evelyn Hugo, I'm going to have to cave and marry her. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, there there are other (laughs) options, people. But okay. Yeah. So the next morning, after the excessive alcohol had burned from their systems, Mick expressed disappointment in Evelyn's skills. Wait, but this is is my favorite part. So since we're hearing it from Evelyn's point of view, she has, it's basically like a how-to on how to marry someone in Vegas and get it annulled the next day. Because then she's like, okay, and then the next step, and this is very important, be really, really bad at sex. Like, make the sex... Horrible, horrible make it so that he he wait he did all of that just to get horrible horrible sex starfish it uh-huh. don't even look interested <laughs> and then the next morning when he tries to have sex in the morning she's like mm, no yeah no. Mm-hmm. and he's like uh this isn't I know. fun anymore <laughs> he was like he's like maybe we should get this annulled and she acts heartbroken but inside yeah. she's like ecstatic because like you said her plan worked <laughs> step-by-step plan everything went exactly how it was supposed to well almost yeah because then she does get pregnant and she has an abortion and this infuriates celia and she leaves her and they don't talk for five years it's so (laughs) wild because celia didn't know that sex was part of yes the plan and celia cannot wrap her head around not only Evelyn being with someone else but being with a man and I think it's like this insecurity that Celia has like that she'll never be able to give Evelyn everything that she wants because Mm -hmm. Evelyn is bisexual and etc etc so they just break up and like Evelyn doesn't go after her Celia doesn't come back it's just it's bad communication (laughs) Uh uh-huh all around (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, I, w- I was, it was crazy when they just don't speak for that long. But it's almost naive of Celia not to think that sex would be on the table. Because if someone's going to get married to someone, they really think that they're not going to, like, consummate the marriage. Especially but, Mick Riva, because yeah. he was, like, a playboy. And he was, mm-hmm. like, known for 
you know, sleeping with everyone yes. and all of this stuff. Like, yeah, I think. And it wasn't even the pregnancy that Celia was upset about. It was the sex, the sex in the general. Fact, yeah, the fact that she, that Evelyn went out of her way to have sex with Mick. And so I mm-hmm. guess that obviously felt like a betrayal to Celia. But the yeah. plan was for her to marry him so that they could take some of the heat off of them. Well, it's also like Evelyn can't understand why Celia doesn't see her way of thinking. Like, she's like, I did this for us. I did this so that we wouldn't be under scrutiny, so that we wouldn't be, we wouldn't lose our careers. And Celia understands that, that they would lose their careers if they were outed. Mm -hmm. But she still blames Evelyn and says like, oh, because you're ashamed to be with me. Like, she knows that that's not the truth, but she just says it to hurt Evelyn. Yeah. And Evelyn is like, why can't you see that I didn't want to do this? I did it for you. So they're mm-hmm. just, both of them are so stubborn that they won't see things from each other's point of view, which is something that is a theme throughout their entire relationship. Exactly. <laughs> so Evelyn's fourth husband is Rex North. And this is one of the most honest and ambitious marriages that Evelyn has ever had. <laughs> so both of them basically use each other to keep their careers going. They knew what, and they knew what they wanted from each other. Cause Evelyn is obviously, even though she's not talking to Celia, she's still very much like in love with her. And I think Mm -hmm. that she's doesn't really want to be with anyone, but she knows that image is a huge thing in Hollywood. So if she's dating a famous actor, there's more room for them to be successful together. And she was in the middle of her comeback because she had Mm -hmm. to start all the way from the bottom again because Don Adler ruined her reputation. Yeah. So she was in that French film, which mm-hmm. took off, and she's like, she was riding a little bit of a high. And then her and Rex, they are in a new movie together. So they decide, like, this is strictly for business. We're going to mm-hmm. promote our new movie. And it results in more movie deals for them. Like, exactly. It, it works out on the business. Yeah, end. exactly. So Evelyn set boundaries between them. And Rex had no issue with this, like we said, because it they became super successful. And the boundaries were that they would have separate rooms, that they, w- they wouldn't even share beds, and there would be no sexual intimacy. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Rex could have a physical relationship with anyone he wanted as long as he didn't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which like i'm like okay like that's kind of a pretty cool deal for him he can just fuck as yeah. many women as he want and but he you know what i mean <laughs> or women you but know what i he, mean like <laughs> yeah and he's like really got the best setup here and yeah. then he just goes and ruins it by falling in love with someone he falls in love <laughs> with his mistress you know it's like we said so it's a lucrative false marriage for a few years which results like you said in a major three picture deal so they mm-hmm. got a lot out of this this definitely yeah. was well, it worked a good successful marriage. Rex falls in love with someone else, so they create a false cheating scandal for the media. Smart. Mm-hmm. Right? So smart. Because smart. he got her pregnant, so they couldn't at first Evelyn is like, Okay, here's the plan. This is how we'll break up, like after the next movie. And mm-hmm. Rex is like, Okay, but 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 there's one issue is that um <laughs> my mistress is pregnant. So <laughs> we're gonna have to do it a little faster than we're that. Fast track this a little bit. <laughs> and Evelyn's like, Okay, shit, okay, play Plan B, plan B, I got this. Okay. Yes. Cheating, so, double cheating scandal. So plan B leads to her fifth husband, which is Harry Cameron, who poses as her lover and obviously her best friend. And Harry's gay. So they decide to get married. 
this was just I just love Harry so much and him and him and Evelyn's friendship and whatever everything that they do through the marriage was one of my favorites but Evelyn ends up seeing Cecilia at the Academy Awards and they get back together mm-hmm. so she's able to be fake married to Harry Cameron and get to be with Celia because Celia is uh-huh. married to John yep who getting there Harry, <laughs> this is wild. This is wild. Exactly. So then it turns out that Celia has a fake husband who is now Harry's secret lover. <laughs> so for like, a few years, love, uh-huh. not just like they happen to be together because yeah. this foursome worked out. Like Harry is truly, Harry and John are truly in love. Yeah, exactly. So they all live together in peace with each couple serving as a beard for the other. So mm-hmm. Celia and John are married, Harry and Evelyn are married, but they're dating the other, you know, everyone's dating the other person. Yeah, they're actually living, <laughs> so they have two separate yeah. houses, but actually mm-hmm. Celia and Evelyn are living together, and Harry uh-huh. and John are living together. Yeah. And then, like, these little press clips so in the book, they have, like, I love that they had the little newspaper clippings, mm-hmm. so you could see, like why her plans were going into action Mm -hmm. but there was one that said like suggested they were swingers Uh and evelyn (laughs) says um she says it really makes you think doesn't it that people were so eager to believe we were swapping spouses but would have been scandalized to know we Mm -hmm. were monogamous and queer and they were technically swapping spouses but with the same sex yeah like they weren't swinging they were heterosexual swinging yeah exactly so Evelyn and Harry have a daughter together, Connor, and they just exp- like Harry and Evelyn just have this deep platonic love for each other. It's a beautiful relationship that they have, and like I said, they have Connor, but also they have to have sex to I know. have Connor because they want a biological <laughs> I baby. Know. And Celia mentions it like once, but doesn't. I don't know. She doesn't lose her shit as much as she did with everyone else. Like, I guess because it's Harry and because Evelyn wants to be a mom and all this stuff. But like, they just kind of glaze over the fact that they had to have sex multiple times to make a baby. Yeah. Again, that's how it happens. You know, yeah, that's, in those times. That's the birds and the bees, now, baby. Now it's different. Now it's totally different. He, there doesn't need to be like any penetration. You could just take Harry. Well, she would did just... mention that too. Yeah. But she was like, then people would talk yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. everything in the back of her mind is we have to make this as real looking as possible because people in the industry were already suspecting Harry of being gay. Yeah. So there were people who weren't buying their relationship in the first place. Mm-hmm. So she's like, you know, it's crazy that she wanted to be a mom and they want to start a family, but still in the back of her mind, it's still about the image. Now, refresh my memory, because you just read this book and it's been a little bit for me. Who was the ex-husband that she had the love scene with? Was it Don? It was Don Adler. It was yeah. Don, right? Okay, I thought it was Don. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, I forgot who it was. So basically, yeah. she shoots a risque love scene with her ex-husband, Don, and Celia feels feels betrayed and leaves Evelyn again. <laughs> Yeah. She's just like, I'm and out. that's why it was even worse because Celia knew that Evelyn did truly love Don. Like, she didn't mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. But Celia was so threatened by Evelyn's love for Don that, and Evelyn, like, says, okay, I'm going to talk to Celia about it. And Celia's like, I'm just not comfortable. And Evelyn's like, okay, I already did it. 
I know, I know. And it was like, <laughs> she was trying to do the right thing yeah. in Evelyn's way. Mm-hmm. And it backfired as usual. Yeah. So here's breakup act number two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are we Again. only on two? It feels like a hundred. Yeah, thanks. I know. But <laughs> between. Exactly. So. And then unfortunately, John dies of a heart attack. And so now Harry's grieving. In order to help him recover, she gets him involved in a film directed by Max Gerard, who earlier in the book, to get her career back, like we had said, she stars in this successful, risky French new wave film that's directed by Max, by Max Gerard. So she ends up doing another film with Max and she gets Harry involved in it. And again, are we surprised? Max reveals he's loved Evelyn for years and proposes to her when she's still married to Harry. <laughs> she's like, oh, of course. Yeah. You love me? Of course we will marry. Of course you love me. So... Enter six husband Max Gerard. <laughs> so she divorces Harry, marries Max, and then I'm like Harry's okay with it. I Harry's know. like, I get it because I was like, What I are know. you doing? We need to mm-hmm. stay with Harry forever because he's. A but gem. Harry is like, he's having trouble. He's inconsolable with his grief. He's still being a great father, mm-hmm. but they're just. They don't have as much tying them together as they used to. No, they don't. When she marries Max, she discovers that Max is more interested in the idea of Evelyn than the person that Evelyn is true, like she truly is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get to it a little later, but each husband, when she, when they're brought up in the book, they have a descriptor and Max's mm-hmm. was disappointing. <laughs> Yeah. And this was due to the fact that he had no intention of, this was in the book, he had no intention of even trying to love me. He was only capable of loving the idea of me. Mm-hmm. And that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. That is disappointing. Like, he just yeah. likes the idea of Evelyn Hugo and who she is as this persona, this actress. Again, it's Hollywood. The show you're putting on for the media is not who people really are in right. person. But she felt like she was finally feeling some type of spark and some type of love again, which is just, it's, it's wild how thought out and how planned Evelyn's entire life is, but Mm -hmm. she's just so terrible at reading people and so terrible at seeing their intentions. And she is blinded by love at every turn. Like she is Max says, I love you, but really he just wanted to possess her. Like you said, Mm -hmm. he loved the idea of her and he just wanted a piece of her to show yep. off. Mm-hmm. 100%. Now, Evelyn gets back in contact with Celia. They're sending and receiving letters, which she hides in her closet. And she ends up di- divorcing Max because she's reconnected with Celia. And on the morning that Evelyn was going to fly to L.A., Max found the letters And confronted Evelyn about them, saying, he doesn't mind some infidelity, my dear, if only it is respectfully done. And one does not leave evidence. Okay. And he's a fucking homophobe. Because then he accused her of being a lesbian, completely ignoring her protests of saying she loved him too. So he basically is like, you never loved me. Like, you're just a lesbian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, it's not true. And he's like, how dare you be a lesbian? Like, he is outraged. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's unfair because Evelyn, like we had said, she truly actually did love Max. 
And mm-hmm. Evelyn, and she like we said, she's bisexual, so she can love men, she can love women. And I just think that Evelyn just has love to give. She just wants to give love and like mm-hmm. get it in return. And obviously, like we had said, Max just liked the idea of who she was. There, He didn't really like mm-hmm. her for her. When she leaves, she knows that Max is going to spread her relationship with Celia to the tabloids. So as a result, mm-hmm. she stages an affair with a much younger man to make Max look jealous and a liar about being a lesbian. <laughs> well, she's so good. I love her she's so, so much. so good. <laughs> and the guy is like, she's in her 40s. Or I think yeah. she, she's early 40s and he's like 23. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Which, she's like, just gross, like, but cougar love it she's just but she knows like she knows hollywood so well that she knows what Mm -hmm. she has to do to like we said keep herself relevant and keep her secrets to herself and she gets ahead of absolutely everything because she knows Mm -hmm. even when she leaked the stuff through the housekeeper like yeah she knew this is where Mm -hmm. the leak is coming from and i'm going to use that to my advantage like she's she's smart she's brilliant she's smart she had said she's reunited with with celia and they agree to give their relationship another try. Third time's the charm. But, of course, it's not Evelyn's life if it doesn't, if there's not some kind of tragedy. It's not a Taylor <laughs> Jenkins read book unless there's some tragedies, okay? I know. Tragedies, plural. So this is tragedy yes. number one. Uh, Celia is dying of emphysema, and she has less than a decade to live. So they finally decide that they're going to do this, and they're on short time. Celia wants to live her final years out in Spain. Away from Hollywood. Away from all the homophobic energy. Away from people who will... Don't blame them. Ruin them. Yep. And so she ends up her fifth... Or her fifth. Her seventh and final husband is Celia's brother, Robert Jameson. And they marry so that Evelyn can inherit Celia's estate after she dies, but also so that Evelyn can be with Celia. It was, there's no ultimatum with him. He literally is right. just like, he understands, he like loves his sister enough that he's like, I will marry Evelyn so that you guys can live, you can live out your final years with the love of your life. Yeah. And that was the whole plan for them to all move together and have this separate life where they didn't have to worry about other people. I mean, that was the whole idea, but she still does marry him because the image does still matter. It, it does still matter. And, Unfortunately, yeah. And, she, you know, she doesn't want Celia's last years to be tainted or her reputation no. to be tainted by mm-hmm. horrible her coming out, which obviously I'm saying that sarcastically, but yes. that was the reality of the situation. Exactly. And then he also plays this great fatherly role with Connor. And like Connor mm-hmm. adores him, so it's, it worked. It it worked out in the end, but again, there's just more tragedy. <laughs> so Harry doesn't want Evelyn to move Connor to Spain, but he reconsiders when he falls in love with another man. He so finally finds love again. Mm-hmm. They both, both Harry and Evelyn, are where they want to be. They're both in love again. Well, Evelyn with Cecilia. It's just a rekindled love. Harry met someone new. So Harry and this man get into a car wreck and the man dies. And Evelyn has her driver put his body in the driver's seat to cover up that Harry was driving drunk. And unfortunately, Harry dies later in the hospital. So now she loses her best friend, the father her of her child. soulmate. The father yeah, of her child. Her platonic soulmate. This is where this everything goes wild. 
Evelyn reveals to Monique that the man who died in the crash was her father. This was the twist that we you wait for until the very end of the book. Because there is yeah. this indication, there's this underlying feeling throughout the book that there's a reason why Evelyn chose Monique. And this yeah. is why. And also that because Monique cannot comprehend like why she was chosen because she's basically yeah. a nobody mm-hmm. writer. But also Monique is like falling in love with Evelyn, not like, yeah. you know, like in a just falling in she's love with just her past who she and is. Her story exactly. and like how strong she was. And then Evelyn keeps saying things like, well, you'll see. Mm-hmm. And like, just wait until, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a horrible person. You just wait and see. Yep. And she's not saying it in like a self-indulgent way or like a, like a cryptic way. She's just like, let me tell my story and make your decision at the end because mm-hmm. you don't know the whole story. Yeah. And so Monique is furious at Evelyn that she grew up believing a lie about her father's death, but she moves toward forgiving Evelyn. And she discovers that Evelyn, which even before I say this, another tragedy is that her daughter dies of breast cancer in her 40s. So everyone that, everyone, every single person that Evelyn has truly loved, Celia, Harry, Connor, they're all dead. They all die. And Robert Jameson died. She outlives every one of her husbands. Outlives everybody. She's the only one left. Connor dies of breast cancer. And then Monique discovers that Evelyn is now dying of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And she understands that Evelyn is going to kill herself so that she may die with dignity. The book, On her own terms. Yeah. So like the way that the book ends is that it's an article about Evelyn by Monique announcing her biography and revealing that Evelyn was bisexual. Monique has to, and I, I, she has to, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but Monique has to sit with this decision of what to do with Evelyn, knowing mm-hmm. that she's going to kill herself. This, And that was another reason that Evelyn picked her. Yeah. Which I don't know if we're going to get to that, but because she had written some random article about assisted suicides yeah. for people who are, you know, deathly ill or people who know that they're going to be passing for them to be, for mm-hmm. them to die with dignity. Yeah. And so that's another factor. Exactly. It wasn't just because of her Monique's father's dad. Yeah. yeah. But it was also like the whole thing with, her revealing to Monique that she framed her father, it still had its redeeming aspect because Mm -hmm. there was a letter in the father's pants that was to Harry basically saying like that Harry was his one true love, but he couldn't break up his family. He loved Mm -hmm. his daughter too much. He could never do that to her. So like Evelyn is saying, yeah, maybe I've ruined your life, but I'm also showing you how much your dad loved you. Like you should... Mm-hmm. I wanted you to know that. It's fucked up on in so many different levels, this whole story. It's so Evelyn. Uh-huh. It's so Evelyn. Exactly. Because she's, again, she's planning her life how she wants it to look. And she's pulling the strings into how she wants mm-hmm. things to go. So, but obviously we have to, we've talked about throughout the entire book, but we, you know, obviously have to discuss that the true love of her life was obviously Celia St. James. So mm-hmm. we had mentioned it before. Monique asks Evelyn who the love of your life is. And she admits that it wasn't any of her seven husbands. It was Celia. Mm-hmm. And Celia was naive, passionate, and almost obsessed over Evelyn and her love for her. She truly loved Evelyn, yet she would hurt her when she herself was hurt, which we've talked about multiple times. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. She wanted to come out of the closet without without the future consequences that would follow as a domino effect. Her and Evelyn went to hell and heaven on this earth just to be together with so many years mm-hmm. of separation. So they, they went through these long periods of time of not even talking or being with each other. Of which these again, years wasted. And just, Celia died so young. That. It's like wasted years because then they finally, yeah. finally are going to be together. And then it's on borrowed time because she's going to mm-hmm. die in, in a decade. So it's like they couldn't... Mm-hmm. Those years that they wasted could have been special. But obviously... Mm-hmm. You, you don't know you're going to have emphysema when you're in your 40s or however old she was. Right. So, And also, I really love the way that even from Evelyn's perspective, like she's telling, you know, the truth of the situation. Yes, it's mm-hmm. from her point of view. But you realize that Celia was selfish and she was stubborn mm-hmm. and she loved to blame Evelyn for the reasons they couldn't be together. But she was just as much at fault. And mm-hmm. Evelyn says, you know, I loved her more than anything in the whole world. Like, I never knew that I could love someone as much as I loved her. But there were things that she did that were horrible. Like, she, Celia didn't understand Evelyn's bisexuality. Yeah. And she couldn't even fathom that that was actually a thing because Celia only loved women. And there was a quote from Evelyn. It was during one of their many fights. (laughs) (laughs) slash breakups (laughs) she says it's always been fascinating to me how things can be simultaneously true and false how people can be good and bad all in one how someone can love you in a way that is beautifully selfless while serving themselves ruthlessly and she's talking about celia but she's also talking about herself herself a hundred percent a hundred percent because it's so that's exactly what she does like everything that she does save her and celia's relationship or to protect their reputations she knows that it's going mm-hmm. to hurt celia so much but she does it anyway because yeah. it's serving herself but she rationalizes it as you know protecting the woman that she loves mm-hmm. it's just it, she is a very very complex woman i was just gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> So Celia's death was obviously a huge emotional disruption for the strong-hearted Evelyn. She could barely keep herself straight without bawling her eyes out. The day of Celia's funeral, she's clicked by the pop, you know, the paparazzi takes pictures of her bawling holding Harry's grave. And of course, they're saying that these shots of Evelyn crying are for her ex-husband. But it's not. She's crying. She just she just lost the love of her life. And mm-hmm. so this was kind of a rude awakening for her. And she realizes that no one would know her story. And her her breathtakingly, her truth, basically. heartbreaking, passionate love story that she had with Celia. And mm-hmm. so she comes up with the, this is, you know, she ultimately comes up with the plan to ask Monique to write her biography and to tell every secret that she's hid from the world since the beginning. And I think it was also rooted in... Because, like, they talk about it earlier, especially when uh, the Stonewall riots were happening and they were, you know, there when that was all taking place. And they knew that they couldn't be a part of it, but they did everything they could. They gave money. They donated. Mm-hmm. Even after Evelyn decided to stop acting, she gave so much yep. money to these charities. And it was like she couldn't take that to her grave, not being sure to herself, yep. not giving a voice to people like her basically yeah 
I'm going to save our rating still for the end. We're not going to talk about the rating yet. Mm-hmm. But I have a fun okay. thing about the rating that I'm excited to talk about. The discussion questions that I have, there's a couple. And the first one that I have, which goes back to her telling her secrets. So the opening of chapter five starts with Evelyn saying, everyone I loved is dead now. There's no one left to protect. No one left to lie for but me. So she's brutally honest with Monique, even when talking about her husband and best friends. And because it's her chance to tell her story at last. So mm-hmm. my question for you is, what do you think about Evelyn's motivation to clear the air? Do you think it was right for her to expose the secrets of her husband's, even if they aren't alive to read the finished product? Ooh, that's a hard one because it's <laughs> it, it's not fair, mm-hmm. but, but I think fair. it is fair. It's fair for Evelyn to finally tell the world who she is because mm-hmm. she's hidden who she is truly is the entirety of her her life her career mm-hmm. no one knows the real her mm-hmm. the people who did are dead like she says yeah and the people that knew the real her were only a handful it was and it shows five this people. like yeah this darkness behind the industry of like yeah look we looked so perfect together but he was abusing me and mm-hmm. me and max looked so great together but he didn't actually love me like i'm sorry but those men were shitty and exactly that sucks and to if suck, she's man. airing like, their dirty laundry like it is what it is maybe you shouldn't have been mm-hmm. so shitty exactly <laughs> exactly know? i'm like <sighs> And maybe it's not fair to Rex and to Celia's brother and stuff like that, but she speaks very fondly of them. She does. And she gives them so much credit for knowing the situation and knowing what they were getting into. So mm-hmm. that that's a hard question. I think, I mean, it's her truth. It's her truth to tell. Yeah. Nothing they can do about it now. I guess they could no. haunt her, but then she killed exactly. herself. Exactly. So. And then obviously you don't know this going into it but she's going to kill herself after she reveals all these secrets mm-hmm. so she's also going to be she's not going to be known that she's going to die like the yeah. whole time she's like you can release the book when i'm dead you can release mm-hmm. the book when i'm dead like so you it know that she's dying she's, yeah you just don't know of what from what mm-hmm. you know yeah etc exactly so like we had said she goes into detail about her seven husbands and they each have a nickname I loved every single one of these nicknames. Loved. <laughs> you have loved. Poor Eddie Diaz, Ernie Diaz, goddamn Don Adler, <laughs> gullible Mick Riva, clever Rex North, brilliant, kind-hearted, tortured Harry Cameron, disappointing Max Gerard, and agreeable Robert Jameson. <laughs> I love that. And that I so- love that every chapter started with... Mm-hmm just a title page with their description uh-huh. and then Me the too. story. I loved it. So this is a three-parter. So this is my first I'm going to ask you and I'll, I'll, I'll answer mine first too. So which husband did you enjoy reading about the most? For me, it was definitely her relationship with Harry. I like that one a lot. Easy. Yeah. I love, there was one thing I didn't like when they said, so they're talking about starting a family and they're talking about how they're going to have to, you know, have sex to have a biological baby. Yeah. And she's like, dude, you're gay. You're going to be good with this. And he's like, I have to admit, like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but there's always been a tiny part of me that wanted to bed Evelyn Hugo. Mm. Which again, I hated it. It's again, like, because they're they're just sexualizing her. Exactly. Like she... Even with her best friend, her soulmate, her the person she trusted more than anyone in the world, mm-hmm. 
he still and he wasn't saying it in a sleazy way no. but just like the fact that he saw her that way at all is just like that she couldn't get away from that no. she could never ever ever get away from that image and she brought it upon herself in some ways she worked with what she was given yeah but i just oh i was like harry shut the fuck up and then the next question was do you think that she loved all of them and no like she didn't love mick mick was just a means to an end to 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 stop a scandal i think she loved rex platonically again like i think that was something like that they were just using each other for their to to keep a successful career she definitely loved Mm -hmm. don Mm -hmm. and she she didn't love she definitely didn't love ernie (laughs) Because that was just like... No, no. <laughs> that think, was just like I a think stepping she loved, stone. She loves Robert because yes. he became a stepfather mm-hmm. to Connor. Uh-huh. And, and he was like the part of Celia that lived on a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she did and love who Max. knows about Max? It's kind of... It's Did she or did she love Max because Max loved she her? She was lonely. You know? Yeah, and yeah. she was lonely. She had just ended her relationship with celia for the second time which husband made her the happiest oh man well that's got to be harry because he gave mm-hmm. her connor and, and also just gave her this friendship that she cherishes for the rest of her life mm-hmm. and helped her get through everything else i mean he even mm-hmm. talked her into calling celia and going after celia and when she wanted to get career. a divorce to go with yeah. max he was like sure like whatever you need whatever you want and he was struggling in his own life, but he just, mm-hmm. he really prioritized her a lot. I'm actually going to talk about Harry now. So she marries him and it's kind of a protective arrangement because she's in love with Celia. Harry's fall in love with Celia's husband, John. So they're married to each other to hide their real relationships. What were your thoughts about this arrangement? I mean, it's ideal, of yeah. course, but it was also so unrealistic Uh like just if you think about the times and like they kept saying you know they had help that was uh people that they could trust that wouldn't out them or whatever but they're living in two separate houses every night and just meeting up for work and you know award shows and all this stuff like it was the absolute best way that things could have happened but as soon as it as soon as it happened in the book i was like "Uh oh something bad's gonna happen like either i didn't think john was gonna die young but i thought like oh harry and john are gonna break up or something like that Mm -hmm. and it's gonna ruin exactly this perfect little arrangement that they have so they were just setting themselves up to be ruined the next question was is it fair to everyone and i think no because they're still not able to be their true selves Mm -hmm. they're not able to it's only within this foursome that they can be their true selves but there's so much more to there's so much more than just the four of them there's an entire world and then on Mm -hmm. top of that they decide to have connor so now you're bringing you're bringing this child into this situation and it's also not fair to her i don't think and they never really get into connor's perspective of everything Mm -hmm. like how connor felt about having two sets of parents basically and like celia didn't even want kids Mm -mm. but she ended up watching connor so much and they just they don't really get into it except when they do finally move to spain and evelyn is like very honest with connor and says you know i've always celia is my great love like that's why we're moving blah 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 so she does finally tell her the truth but you don't really get 
that side of the story, which I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm happy about because that's not what it was about. But like you said, it's it's unfair to everyone except the four of them. Mm-hmm. It works for them, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for like everything else that happens in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, I think if in if, if the book had continued that John lived and Celia was able to come to terms with Evelyn, you know, doing a, a sex scene with Don and they continued their relationship, you know, and it, it still wouldn't be a perfect world. There's still, they would have to, there would be so many hurdles that they would have to like overcome. And are you really going to live right. your entire life faking a relationship when yeah. you should be able to love freely? So especially with their careers going, mm-hmm. you know, up and down and all around, it's like, mm-hmm. there's also that aspect of like jealousy in there too. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's not a realistic long-term thing. No, no, definitely not. Let's discuss the big twist at the end of the book. So we come to realize that Evelyn and Monique's lives are much more closely intertwined than Monique could have ever imagined. Because her father, James, died in a car accident as a result of Harry Cameron's driving, which Evelyn helped to cover up. And James and Harry were in love and having a relationship. (laughs) What did you think about the twist? I thought it was perfectly executed because the same way that Evelyn is just such a conflicting character, Monique now has such conflicting feelings for Evelyn. She wants to hate her because she spent her entire life thinking that like her memories of her father are sullied because she thinks that he was driving drunk. So that's always in the back of her mind. So she wants to hate Evelyn because of that secret that she kept for so long. But on the other hand, not only did Evelyn give her the exclusive to this book, which is going to make her millions of dollars, she also helped her find her voice. She helped her process her divorce. She helped her realize that she needs to fight for what she wants. So I like that it added to the whole complexity. I still think like the beginning is just still unbelievable where Monique just completely goes along with it. Like not (laughs) knowing what reason there is. She's like, literally, why would you pick Uh me? Like I wrote one article. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) So that part, like you just got to kind of go with, but I, I wasn't expecting it. That's for damn sure. What did you think about it? I hated it. (laughs) It, and I'll get to it later, but, like, I did not like it. I was so ready for this twist, and I was just so disappointed when that's what it was. Personally. I can agree with that. Personally. And, like, it, and I, but I, hearing your point of view and what you thought of it, I, I think it's completely valid, and it's definitely understandable, and I, you're making me see it in a different light, which is, I appreciate, but I remember when I read this book and I got to that part, I was like, What? <laughs> I was just so mad. I was mad. I was so mad. (laughs) That's funny, though, because you saying that, I completely agree with that also. Like, it, they they made it sound like Evelyn, like, murdered Monique's whole family or something. I know. I was waiting. And I think that's what it was. There was this buildup that there was going to be this huge reveal. It was going to be this big twist. And then when that was what it was, I felt let down. And it just... I don't know. In the moment, it wasn't what I wanted. This 
This is exactly what happened to me with Malibu Rising. Okay. okay? Because they kept <laughs> leading up to this like huge thing. And remember I told you like I was waiting for the twist and you were yes. like, yeah. she doesn't write books like that. And I was like, well, now I know. Yeah. But that's so true. Like she yeah. really was building up, building up. Uh-huh. And then you're just like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's horrible. It's a horrible secret what she did. No, and it's like, and like you said, like, and, and as I'm reflecting on this book, it's been it's been a while since I've read it, but just like reflecting on it back, I'm like, okay, no, what you're saying makes sense, and I, it all does come together when you think about it. But in the yeah. moment while I read it, I was not yeah. happy. Yeah. <laughs> I I totally get that. I totally get that. Right, so I have I have a follow up question. Sure. Should Monique have told her mom the truth about her dad's death. That's a catch-22. Mm-hmm. Because it's not necessarily her secret to tell, in a sense. She doesn't know how her mom would react to I know. him being gay. Yeah. But then and it I would think... also take that weight off of the drunk driving thing. That's It's hard, right? But it's also hard because then she also doesn't... I don't think she wants to taint her mom's memory of her dad either right. in their relationship. Because I mean, yeah. obviously, her mom's getting older too. So I think it's kind of a situation where it's: do you let her live without the knowledge that her husband was having an affair with a man, and mm-hmm. everything was there? Not not that their relationship was a lie, because I don't think that I don't think that Monique's parents' relationship Mm-mm. was a lie at all. I think he definitely loved his wife and his kid, but he had a second life too. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Monique, and she says that like, yeah. When she makes the decision not to tell her because Mm -hmm. the mom is like, we weren't passionate. We were best friends. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's, I think that made her okay with the decision to not tell her. And also, like you just said, she's, she's obviously older. So it's like, do you really want her to have to reprocess Mm -hmm. that whole trauma of losing her husband and thinking she knew what happened and then it's something completely different? Yeah. So obviously I know it's a burden for Monique to carry, but I don't know. I think in that situation, I don't blame her for the choice that she made. Yeah. Yeah. When you, th- it's when you definitely think about hard. it. I mean, she's going to be sleeping on a pillow full of millions of dollars, so she'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess she could pay for her mom's therapy when she, if she told her. <laughs> good point. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Okay, so... Obviously, Monique has complicated feelings about these revelations, and she realizes that Evelyn intends to end her life, and she has a chance to stop this from happening, or at least call the authorities, but chooses not to. And in chapter 69, a quote that she says is, I let her be, I respect her wishes. What do you think of Monique's decision? Was this a kind thing to do, or should Monique have stepped in to prevent Evelyn's suicide? No, I think this was the compassionate thing to do Mm -hmm. i think it would be unfair especially because of how vulnerable and open evelyn was she did that on purpose she had that plan she wanted to die on her own terms like everyone would have found out it would have tarnished her reputation while she was still alive i i think that she got to know evelyn enough to know that Evelyn's going to do what Evelyn's going to do. I agree. So if she stopped her, she would have done it anyway. And I I was just going to say, and I don't think that that's Monique's decision to make. Exactly. You know, she could have, she could have tried to bring like a prevention 
into the situation. But as we've talked about, Monique at this point has to know that Evelyn is who she is. And she mm-hmm. gets what she wants. And she does what she and wants. She w- It would be a very different question if Evelyn wasn't dying. Because yeah. Evelyn That's... says, I saw my daughter go through... Like, mm-hmm. I held her while she was throwing up from chemo. Yeah. Like, I saw how much pain she was in, how horrible it was from her. And she specifically tells Monique that. And Evelyn knows, like, I'm not going to go through Uh-oh. that pain. No. So it's not like, it's not just like, oh, everyone I love is dead. So I'm going to die too. And I want my no, truth out there. Yeah. Like, there's a reason. Yeah, there's, she has, she has a solid reasoning as to why she's doing what she's doing and she's not just mm-hmm. trying to like you said just do it because everyone no everyone else is gone so i might as well just just go it's it's, mm-hmm. it's so much more than that it's this whole mm-hmm. complex thing she knows how smart evelyn is and she knows how she's always 30 steps ahead mm-hmm. and this isn't someone crying out for help this is someone mm-hmm. like this is not a normal suicide yeah. you know no. like this is a planned this is part of my plan this is how it's working out just the irony of the boobs that got her that fame <laughs> turning on her. I was like, that is fucked up. That's just, I didn't even think of that. That's a that's a that's a funny revelation. I, I enjoy that. That's messed up. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I, I think that's yeah. I think yeah. it's it was mm-hmm. a compassionate thing to do. I, I completely agree. So after Evelyn's death, the book is published and the truth of her life and her love story with Celia is finally set free. And as a reader, we don't get to see the public reaction to this. Mm-hmm. So so what do you think people would have said about Evelyn's book? Do you think that people would forgive her for her mistakes? And how do you think people would feel about her love for Celia? Oh, man. I I think people would have don't... ate this book up. They would oh, have I think they would have ate it up for sure. The tea that was in this book. <laughs> I don't think they would have forgiven her for what no. she did, though. I because don't know. the only reason Monique does and like falls in love with her story and stuff mm-hmm. is because like she's around Evelyn. Like it's yeah. very different reading it. She knows Evelyn now. She has a piece mm-hmm. of Evelyn because Evelyn gave that to her. Mm-hmm. So her interpretation. It's also like, yeah. We don't know how her interpretation, because that's why Evelyn chose her, because she thought that she would be able to express it in the most mm-hmm. revealing way, the truest way, mm-hmm. like not salacious, just to the point. So we yeah. don't know. Maybe, maybe she would have written it so that everyone would have that same compassion for Evelyn. Who knows? Yeah. I know, because I think that the public would also be surprised to know about her and Celia. I think that would have been a shocker. It's almost like unfortunate that it can never actually ever be talked about with Evelyn or Celia after it's mm-hmm. brought out into the world. They can never broadcast yeah. that they, they never had the opportunity to actually broadcast their love to the world. But I, I agree with you. I think people would have been surprised because she was so controlling of her image and she was so in charge of her own narrative yeah. that it seems like she would never let something threaten that. But all along, she did. That's part of what's hard about Monique, too, is that, like, Monique has to process what happened with her dad, and Evelyn is gone. So it's like she can't even be angry at her. She can't even have her to answer for it, besides the brief conversation they have, because Mm -hmm. Evelyn is gone. Uh Uh-huh. I agree with that, too. It's like a bombshell was just dropped, and Mm -hmm. there was never going to be another discussion about it after that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So Monique has to use that money to pay for her own therapy. Own therapy. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she's going to need plenty of it. <laughs> but she's going to yes, have absolutely. plenty of money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the rating, my our rating is going to be out of green dresses. Okay. But before oh. I we give our ratings, I found this really cool thing online, blurb, whatever you want to call it, about the color green in this book. Okay. Okay. So, the color green represents the light and dark sides of Evelyn's beauty and sexuality. Evelyn first wears a green dress when she loses her virginity to Ernie to get a ride to Hollywood, the hue emphasizing both her innocence and her ambition. Evelyn also wears an emerald green dress to the premiere of Little Women, where she kisses Celia for the first time at the after party. Kissing a woman is another bisexual first for Evelyn, and it leads her to discover both her greatest love and her own bisexuality. She later wears emerald green as Don hits her and when she discovers that Don is cheating on her. The color holds for Evelyn both the bright hope of new romance and the dark threat of toxic love. When she's accused of being jealous of Celia's success in the press, the article is notably titled, Evelyn, Green's Not Your Color. But the press is mistaken in painting Evelyn as green with envy. It is instead the green of new romance, which forces Evelyn to avoid being seen in public with Celia. As her beauty and sexuality in many ways define her throughout her career, green has become Evelyn's signature color. I love that. And she's right? wearing it for the photo shoot at the end, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the color it's green like is... all of these yeah. milestones have happened uh-huh. with her in green. And it's like, you don't, you don't even realize it. You don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> you just think of like, did, oh, it's yeah. her signature color. Yeah. This person who did this little, like, demo about I'm like, wow, like, you're super smart and you really looked into this. Yeah. I'm like, this is... It's so true. That's cool. Yes. I like that. So I gave this book... 4.5 out of 5 green dresses because of the twist. <laughs> it would have definitely been a full 5 stars if I wasn't so heavily disappointed with the twist. But yeah. this was definitely... This was my second TJR book that I read of hers. And I was just so impressed. Like, I was... I couldn't put the book down. Like I said, I had read it back in November on my honeymoon. We were in Mexico. And it was just so good. It was so well written. I loved the little articles and stuff in between the, mm-hmm. the chapters. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just a really a phenomenal book. She's a great author, man. Her writing skills are just mm-hmm. phenomenal. I also would give this 4.5 green dresses. Nice. Taylor Jenkins Reid just has a way of writing a beautiful yet tragic and forbidden love story. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like Daisy Jones, the way she wrote Evelyn and made me love her and respect her in spite of all the things that she's done, mm-hmm. the way that Monique's feelings are conflicting, so are the readers. And I feel like that's just the evidence of a really well-written main character. Um, this book is sad as fuck. Mm-hmm. Everyone is dying i actually <laughs> cried i don't cry very often oh. at books um i would definitely say like we were talking about it's kind of hard to classify like this genre but i would, yeah. I would definitely recommend it to other people oh god yeah i didn't give it a five because i didn't love that thing that harry said and i didn't i thought that 
every scene with Monique was meaningful because everything was like lessons that she had learned from Evelyn, from her talks with Evelyn and stuff. But I also just felt like some of it was like, okay, I don't care. Let's get back to Evelyn now. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, so and there wasn't too much of her. So it wasn't like overwhelming. But I was just like, I want to hear more about Evelyn and Celia. I, I don't really care about Monique's coffee table. Evelyn and Celia's love story was one of my favorites that I've read. Yeah. It's just I, I because it. it was so real and realistic. I could mm-hmm. see that happening in real. I could see their story playing out in real life. I yeah, can see one absolutely. side of a relationship being not necessarily jealous, but Celia just wants Evelyn so much and wants only her and wants Evelyn to only want her. And it's mm-hmm. and she's not getting that. And Celia's also ready shows, to be who she is, and Evelyn's not. Mm-hmm. It also shows the way that people can misunderstand bisexuality and the yeah. way that everyone just wants to define everything as black and white. Even Celia, who was a lesbian, can't understand Evelyn's bisexuality. And it's just that complexity is so real. And I, I feel like if if this was not Evelyn's story, then, you know, Celia would have had to kind of answer for her behavior and answer for how stubborn she was and what part she played in their breakups. But since this is from Evelyn's point of view, she never really has to answer for all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's like there is that little part missing, but... I just love that Evelyn is unapologetic. She, everything she did was for a reason. Everything she did was, yes, for selfish reasons, but also to protect everyone around her. Mm-hmm. And throughout the book, she says it a million times. Like, I have no regrets. I'm not going to apologize. I never wanted to keep a list of all the people I hurt, but I'm sure it's a long list. So all in I all, just like it. I'm glad that TJR pushed this book. <laughs> That she yeah. didn't stop herself from writing it because she was, yeah. You but know what I mean? Like not. I wouldn't define it as like a book about an actress. No, like, and they I don't feel... talk about her movies that much. And I and I was reading. I was reading another. I was reading some article that she, some interview she had done, and she had said, you know, she when she comes up with an idea for a book, she has a beginning and she has an end, which I think I feel like most authors have that, and so it's figuring mm-hmm. out the middle, the 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 grit of what the book's going to be, and. I think that this book opened up this whole world for her mm-hmm. and she was, she's now able to create these intriguing, intricate stories that are character driven, relationship driven. And it's just automatic, but auto author by for me is going to be her yeah. for the rest until she stops yeah. writing. Cause it's just, she's good. But now we know if they're like leading up to some big twist, <laughs> don't, it's not a twist. Exactly. It's just a part of the story. Exactly. It's just, like, I it read is Daisy, just story. Yeah, Daisy Jones was my first book by her. And so there wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't that it wasn't a twisty book. It was just a really good book. So when you, and I think that probably because I, we read so many thrillers, I'm like waiting for like this massive twist. And I'm just like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like what is the shoe going to drop? It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> Was there anything else that you wanted to discuss about the book that we didn't touch on? No, I think we covered it. I'm really happy that you picked this one. I'm really happy that I finally read it Mm -hmm. about a year after everyone else, at least. (laughs) Um, But yeah, good pick. Great. Yes, it was 
It was definitely, definitely good. So we would ask that you please like, subscribe, download our episodes on whatever podcasting platform you use. I We will eventually actually be able to post our episodes on YouTube. That's fun. It won't be like a video. Yeah. It'll just be the audio because... I don't always maybe eventually, it. but yeah, I know. <laughs> Not <laughs> but yet, because so, I know like some people use YouTube, so now that'll be an option for people. So if you happen to like using YouTube, you can be on the lookout for that. We would ask that you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Fully Booked Caft Pod. Kelsey posts the cool TikToks because she's good with the technology of TikToks. I just post these little edits <laughs> about what we're reading. <laughs> My job is 10,000 times more easier than hers. <laughs> I wouldn't say all that, but mine just takes longer. How about exactly. that? Exactly. But you still, but you always do like the good music and you have these cool little blurbs and, and Oh my God. Hashtags. Picking the music is stressful. Okay. I know. That's why I'm and like, like, I just, I go on Canva. I, I edit the one I did before. I change it and I upload it. And that's all I do. That is this extent. The one that takes me the longest is when I do like our wrap ups. And yeah. I have to change Oh, yeah. Books. Those take forever. I got to do like three separate posts. Yeah. But the more I do it, the quicker I'm getting. Yeah. So you're getting used to if it. If you follow us on TikTok, you could see that the videos are getting better and better the you're longer. Do- you know, you're so doing just phenomenal. Be patient with us. You're doing phenomenal. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Also, we have an email, fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us, letting us know any book recommendations or, I don't know, just say hi. We're, we're just don't yeah. It's fine. So anyways, thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.